across the city and South Cambridgeshire. On FM, digital and your mobile. Cambridge 105 Radio. From the Terraces, on Cambridge 105 Radio. Well, welcome to uh, From the Terraces, starting at the usual time today, but unfortunately for people who don't like football, finishing an hour later, it's our post-Christmas special, we'll be on till three o'clock today. You can get in touch with us all the usual ways. You can text us on 07919 That's 07919 Or you can email uh, studio at cambridge105.co.uk Plenty to talk about. We've got uh, interviews with uh, Cambridge United people, with Cambridge City people, with Cambridge uh, with Histon people. We've also got uh, women's football with uh, uh, Cambridge United, Cambridge City, and St Ives Town. So plenty to go through today. We'll also be joined in a minute with, uh, by Matt to talk about uh, yesterday's game and uh, preview the Stevenage game. Um, so as I say, if you've got anything you want to say, any uh, information you want to give me, anything like that at all, then you can 07919 or email studio at cambridge105.co.uk And we'll start as we usually do with uh, Cambridge United So, Matt, we get to celebrate uh, the uh, post-Christmas period with a win and quite a good one at that. Yeah, it wasn't too bad in the end, Tim. I, I thought, you know, the first half was, um, you know, back to the old days. You know, really, really poor um, from from the last uh, few games and a few weeks as well. And, um, you know, whatever Mark said to him in the uh, half-time, uh, really got him going. Uh, two really good quick goals, which, uh, you know, for us, we've we've seen us concede a few of them quite, quite quickly uh, in recent weeks ourselves. And... Um, you know, one thing I think was the pleasing thing is that you know once we went two one up and uh, you know we had control of the of the game as such, um, we managed to defend it really well. You know, the the old sort of dark arts as uh, as they were calling it at times uh, on various forums and and uh, message uh, message boards and everything. You know, we're back in our game yesterday, and uh, in fairness, I thought we saw the game out quite comfortably in the end. I thought you know we we defended really well. Uh, um, didn't offer Leighton Orient much of a of a chance in the second half, and um, you know for for a run of games where we said last week, you know we should be looking at seven out of nine a, a, as a minimum because these are the teams that we we need to be beaten if we want to be up towards the top half and, and the playoffs at the end of the season. Um, it's, it's a really good start, in fairness. 
It is, and I think for, for me, the, the two interesting things that came from it yesterday were uh, wet, with, uh, was Wes Houlihan uh, had probably one of his best games for the club, I think, uh, yesterday. Um, and then we also had, I think, the second half. For me, the reason why we, we started to really get get on top and start to dominate was the fact that the two fullbacks started to come much further forward uh, and we started to see some play building up from the back. And I think both of those things are really promising. But as you say, this is just just the first of, a, of a, a, a quick run of games and we've done this before we've won one game and then not performed best, better as well in the next game so we need to have another good performance against Stevenage Yeah absolutely and um, you know I, I thought Wes was uh, really poor first half actually I, I thought he gave the ball away far too much certainly in in the wrong areas you know on the edge of, of the 18 yard box and almost cost us a goal or two um, but when you get him firing and you, when you play him in this right position Tim which you know I think we, we've spoke about it quite a lot on this show you know it's got to be behind the striker you know as a, as a number 10 um, so you know playmaking player um, that's where his best position is and if you if you look at the his goal a really well taken goal when he was surrounded by a couple of players and, and a really good finish you know uh, in the corner maybe the goalkeeper the late Orient goalkeeper should have done better but the, the ball goes to the back of the net and then you know the winner you know he plays a massive part in where he, he cuts, cuts inside you know, beats a couple of players, you know, plays a little dummy pass when it looked like he was going to shoot. And that's the Wes Houlihan that we've been expecting all season. That's the type of creativity that we've wanted um, from a player for, for such a long time. And as I say, when we when we get Wes firing and we get him in the right position, as, as we have done uh, at times this season, um, you know, he's he's had a massive impact on, on us as a, as a team and had a massive impact on the game. And it's pleasing to see that Mark obviously rectified his mistake by playing him out wide in the first half and allowed him to come more infield. And like you say, Tim, you know, allowed uh, Jack Idow and uh, Kyle Nall to get further forward a lot, lot quicker and, you know, get the crosses in and support the, the attacking uh, players as well. And, you know, when you've got somebody like Kyle Nall, who I, who I think has been fantastic this season um, you know as, as as your right back I think he's one of the best right backs we've had for a long time you know and if you give him a chance to do what he does best which is you know defend well and go forward really really well um, you know we've got the right idea and as I say you know to see the, see the game out as we have done in previous season, you know, in previous games this season, um, it's fantastic to see. But like you say, you know, it's no good winning uh, yesterday and then go and lose Tuesday against one of the worst teams in the league, Stevenage. You know, that's the type of game that the the high pressing that we had in the second half yesterday needs to be throughout the game uh, from the word go on Tuesday. And it's something that we've struggled with in, in recent weeks, that's for sure. Yeah, it is. It's those it's those back to back wins that's going to make us, uh, you know, a serious challenger for a you know a potential run into the uh, playoff spots or potentially even beyond. Um, I, I mean, it's interesting. I think one of the one of the advantages and you talked about, I mentioned it, and then you've you've, you've sort of expanded on uh, Ironside and Noel and how they they were able to play forward. And I think the big advantage of that is not only does it allow us to be a bit more controlling in the build up play, but also it allows West Hulahan to move around a lot more because they're taking up the uh, sides. I was a bit concerned when I saw that uh, uh, Harris and Dunk had been rested because that's been one of the things that we've, you know, we've we've talked about is the width that he gives us. 
Yeah, and that's Harrison's um, strength, you know, personally. I, I think, you know, he, he's the left winger playing left back at times this season when he, when he shouldn't be. But unfortunately, he does a, a really fantastic job at, at left back as well as left wing. And, you know, seeing the, the lack of width in the in the first half and the lack of, you know, movement from our from our full backs. Um, yeah, I think Kyle Nor got forward once and put in a really good ball in Paul Mullin, who... Who blazed over and probably should have done better in the in the first half. Um, you know, but that's the type of play that you know the pair of them can do. And, and Jack Hardale's come in and he's been that type of player where you know he, he's had some really good games and he's shown exactly what he can bring to this team. You know, he's very good going forward. He takes players on. He's quick. Um, he's got a good left foot. He probably should have scored yesterday rather than cross for for full Paul Mullin early on in the game. And I was quite surprised he didn't actually have a shot, um, if I'm honest, Tim. But, you know, getting those two players forward to to support people like, you know, Luke Hannon and Wes and allowing Wes to drift inside and, you know, allowing Paul Mullins to sort of drift and buzz around and having that focal point, of course, with Joe Ironside, which we have missed for the past uh, couple of weeks as well. You know, when we when we click and when we get it right, Tim, we're a very, very good side and that's what we did for, for probably about 20, 25 minutes yesterday and it showed that, you know, when when we do it right and we do it consistent, consistently and that's the key thing there, um, you know, we, we can be a match for, for teams at, at this level and Mark said it in, the, in his in interviews before, you know, we're, we're not a bad side at all, you know, we are a good side but it's the consistency that we need to have in this team to do it week in, week out and over the past month we haven't done it and you know hopefully we can finish this this month with uh, with a good couple of points on the board and show that we have got that consistency again yeah, and I think I mean the, the, we. I can't remember how long we've been talking about consistency at the club. It, it seems to be, you know, one of the, one of the key features of uh, of a United side is the ability to play absolutely brilliantly one week and then uh, dreadfully the following week. And it is it's it's always been that consistency that's kind of eluded us. Um, it, it's interesting moving forward, as you say, Stevenage are a team that we should be beating. Everybody should be beating uh, Stevenage. It's the best way for them to go. Um, and it's certainly at the moment everybody is even even South End have moved above uh, Stevenage now, so uh, they are they are probably where they deserve to be. They were incredibly lucky last year in uh, not going down. So, it, but but it is one of those things we we have to be we have to be ruthless. We have to finish off those teams because if we can't do that, then the, the, even you know even when you play brilliantly against a good team, you know as we proved against you know other teams, if it doesn't come, you're not going to win the league. And I think it's about the way we play and I think what we see from time to time is that we get that bit wrong um, and uh, you know Forest Green was an interesting one we you know I think we played the right way because I think if we'd gone on the attack and pushed towards them we'd have been absolutely ripped apart but unfortunately the defending was great for the first half and but you always got the impression they were going to score and that we didn't have that threat to get back to them so I think it's how we play against some teams and that kind of plan B plan C and plan D as 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 teams get the measure of us yeah, and you know, with Stevenage, it's it's a case of we we need to go out there and we need to dominate the game, and we don't need to let them into the game at all. As you quite rightly say, they they are where they are for a reason. They're not very good, and uh, if you're losing to South End, then you're really not very good at the moment. And, um, and they, they were lucky to stay up. You know, fair play. 
that they did. But, you know, we need to go there. You know, we are the better team and we have to play like the better team. You don't see the, the good sides in this league like your Salfords and your Boltons and, you know, your, your Newport Counties and your Exeters go there and, you know, stick 11 behind the ball and say, come and break us down. What they do is they go out there, they go and attack these teams. You know, they go one or two goals up and then, you know, they pass it about and allow, you know, Stevenish to have maybe a little bit more of the ball to then hit him on the counter attack and get that third goal or fourth goal as, as is, you know, necessary. And, you know, we've learned from it before or, we you know, we've had bad experience before, you know, you've only got to go back to sort of last week or so, you know, going to Bradford who hadn't won a game in nine and lost the last six. And, you know, we went there with completely the wrong mentality, the wrong sort of formation as such, the wrong players playing and we got what we deserved, which was absolutely nothing. And the, and it was just the you know the worst performance we've we've seen this season, and it it was dreadful. And you know we can't do that on Tuesday. You know Stevenage are down there, and we have to go there as a you know a top ten side that we are right now. Go out there, dominate the ball, dominate the game. You know let's put three or four past them like we have done to teams this season. And, you know, come away with three vital points for, for the New Year's game against Grimsby, which, again, is, is another, uh, you know, could should win game. Yeah, exactly. And it, you'll hear in a minute, I've got a, uh, an interview with Paul Mullin to play uh, shortly. And uh, I asked him about whether he thought, uh, you know, he, 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 the season was going to go like this. And I think the thing that, an, an, uh, you know, a forward has, and especially one who's scoring, is it's not an arrogance, it's just a confidence in himself. He says, yeah, I knew it was going to go this way. And you think that's that's the kind of attitude that, that as a team we need to take to, uh, you know, to, to opposition is we don't need to make excuses for ourselves. We know that if we play well, we can beat, at any team on the day and I think that's the attitude we need to take and Stevenage is a really good place to demo it because I think as you say if we can put three four you know five it's you know we've put we've put that many goals against other teams and we should be doing that against Stevenage and I think you've, you've always got to respect a team because they can always come out and play better than you think but I think we have to go with the attitude that this this should be a, a, a relatively straightforward game and we should be scoring goals in it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's a fine line between confidence and, and arrogance. And, you know, I, I don't think Mark would ever let us to cross into to that arrogant line. And I think, you know, he'd be the first one to hold his hands up if he, if he felt, you know, if it went wrong on Tuesday and we went there as as an arrogant side, um, you know, he'd, he'd soon have him back in. Um, as you say, you know, the strikers are scoring goals like Paul Mullin is and, you know, what a fantastic signing he has been. They have it. They have that confidence, and yeah, it sounds like arrogance, but it's not because the man knows what he's what he's doing. You know, the man knows his job, and his job is going very, very well right now. And you know, you just look at that signing in the summer, and you just think, you know, where would we be without Paul Mullin? Without that confidence, you know. The, the man backs himself in in every in every chance that he has, whether it, whether he scores or not. You know, you always back him to score, and you know the goal that he scored yesterday was was a classic. You know, striker's goal in the right place at the right time, and the ball was in the back of the net, and you just knew he was going to score. And we haven't had that for for such a long time, um, Tim. And you know, it, it's quite it's quite good to have it just for this season. But something needs to come from it, and like you say, you know, going to Stevenage 
on Saturday, on Tuesday, sorry, and you know, with that confidence of, yeah, we're going to come here, we're going to beat you, and we're going to beat you well because you're not that good, and we are. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. But obviously, they have to go out there and they have to back it up. You know, they have to back it up with the performance. When the chances come, they they have to be clinical and um, you know come away from the game with three points and into uh, into the new year and as I say like we, we, we said on last week's show you know you get into the new year you see where you are in the table and then you sort of have a little rethink about what you predicted at the, at the beginning of the season and I, you know I think I'll be the first one to maybe ever sit down and scratch my head over where we might finish at the end of the season yeah, exactly. I mean, we'll 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 talk about that one on New Year's Day after we get through where uh, we get through these uh, the next fixtures. Um, uh, we, we, one of the things I really want to see. I mean, it's great you can't you can't fault Paul Mullin for what he's doing, but it, it's kind of like it's not a one man show, but it's a one man goal scoring at the moment, and we need to find other people that can score. And I kind of we've seen a, a tantalising glimpse of Nibs over uh, you know the last couple of games. He's not quite got there, but he's had chances. Um, it it will be good for him to score I think yeah and I, I think um, you know Joe, Joe Ironside before he got injured was just starting to find that form as well and um, I think you're completely right with without Paul Martlin, um, where would we be you know we've already lost Haram Boateng and you know we're just about surviving without him but the midfield does look a, a, a lot lot weaker without him and that's no disrespect to Paul Digby who I think you know having a good season as well and trying his best in there but his his colleagues in and around him probably just aren't as good and on the level that Haram Boateng is but you know, you, you look up front and you just think, you know, Harvey Nibs, if he if he just gets one, is that going to start a, a streak like Paul Mullins on at the moment? You know, if Joe Ironside gets one, is that going to start his streak? And I'd say Andy Dallas as well, but it just looks like he's disappearing off into the, the sunset in January, which is a, a real big shame for for him because, again, he's another one uh, who could come out of nowhere and quite easily score 10 goals this season, which is is a great return in, in the league, you know. So it's you know we need to start spreading the goals around absolutely because there there is that massive fear that you know if Paul Mullin does get injured and of course he's been carrying that, an ankle injury for for a while um, you know the the goal is going to dry up again which you hope won't happen but you know it, it can quite easily happen and of course that's derailed lots of teams seasons before so yeah hopefully that the goals will start flowing for other players as well and. Um, you know, the good thing I think is, you know, people like Harvey Nibs, when we saw him play 90 minutes against Colchester, you know, he was getting in the right positions. The ball just wasn't falling to him. And, you know, Joe Ironside's still working his way back in. And I think the goals will come for him once again. You know, he, he starts building up his match fitness and, uh, you know, he starts getting in the right positions and, and we start feeding the right balls to him. Exactly, exactly. Well, uh, Matt, thanks very much uh, for joining us. Short and sweet today because we've got uh, so I've got lots and lots of pre-recorded stuff we're going to get through. So, uh, uh, thanks very much for joining us. We'll talk to you uh, next week, hopefully with uh, with uh, some good results on the board. Cheers, Matt. Take care, Tim. That's great. Thanks very much, Matt. Uh, okay, so as to say, plenty of uh, stuff still to talk about. We're going to stay with uh, Cambridge United for a while yet. We've got quite a long uh, Mark Bonner interview talking about the season, talking about uh, January recruitment or 
talking about the community, talking about a lot of things. Um, and then we're going to talk uh, to Paul Mullin briefly, or we're going to play uh, something we did, uh, we did with Paul. Uh, sound quality isn't great because it was on the phone. And then we'll finish off Cambridge United talking to uh, Kaylee Ann Burt, uh, captain of the women's team. So uh, plenty to talk about. And then we'll look at Histon and City uh, after the news at two o'clock. So this is uh, th- these were all pre-recorded, obviously, uh, prior to today. In fact, uh, most of them were recorded just after we went or just after locked tier, the new Tier 4 lockdown was announced. Uh, so you'll hear plenty, as you know, would be, wouldn't be surprised about COVID lockdown and lack of football. But this is what Mark had to say when I caught up with him uh, earlier on. Mark, normally at Christmas time we catch up and uh, talk about the season so far and uh, at least there's been some football, but it's been, I guess, uh, we're, we're 11 months into your uh, reign as uh, manager and uh, there's not been a lot of football to talk about, um, what, 30 odd games now, despite the fact that you've been here for 11 months. It's been, it's been unusual to say the least. Yeah, it has been, as you say. I mean, it, it feels mad when you say how long it's been there. Um, because the number of games that we've played, you sort of time just flies by and you sort of forget how long you've been doing it. But as you say, a large part of that, we were in lockdown. We were furloughed for a fair part of that. We were in a planning phase in the off season. And then we've obviously kicked off the season later. So um, funny that it's over such a period of time and quite a unique experience to have as the first one. Um, but in the main, I think, I think what we have to try and do is, is review the last year as a whole from a club's perspective. And whilst the, the landscape or the backdrop's been uh, carnage, really, for a lot of football clubs and, and socially for everybody in, in the world, it's been so different. We, we've, um, we've made good progress as a club. And, and I think that's the bit that we have to make sure that we don't lose sight of on and off the pitch. I think we've, there's been some really good work go on. And uh, in a really challenging and tough year, the club feels as united as it has been for a long period of time. And that's a really encouraging sign as we go into next year. And I guess we've had we've had all of the difficulties in the last sort of two two years or so around finances and everything else. But probably if you look back on that, that's actually probably been a benefit to the club now in that it has to sort it had to sort everything out. It's got that relationship now in, and there's there's money that's there without spending, you know, without overspending. And, uh, and we're kind of in a position where I suspect it, uh, it, it a lot better off than many clubs at our level and above. Yeah, there's probably three reasons why, I guess. I'm never the best to speak about business because I'm not so so up on the ante, but I, th- I think I have a fairly good understanding of the club. And, um, you know, I haven't been in every board meeting from the beginning of me taking this until right up to last week. Um, I think we all have a good knowledge of what we're doing and where the situation we're in. And, and you can probably credit our situation to a few things. Number one is... The financial support from the football authorities and the furlough scheme was a life changer, really, for football clubs at our level. That, that's the first thing. I think the second thing is loyal supporters that have brought season tickets and invested in merchandise and things when they didn't even know if they had a team to watch in the, in the very first instance or when they would be able to watch the team play. But that, that sort of loyalty and, and commitment from fans has just been a game changer again for fans too. And then thirdly, you know, the owner, Paul Barry, um, and more recently, Mark and Adam that have come on, on board as investors, that they've put us on those three things really have put us on a sound footing, as well as real prudent uh, work and leadership and financial uh, spending from the club's perspective, well led by the board. It, the situation we're in could not have been achieved by one person or in one one strand of the club. You know, there's so many 
months and, and, and hours of work that's gone into the situation we're in. We're, we're not flush, we're not rich, but we, you know, we are in a situation where we feel it feels stable for the first time in a long time. And there's a real uh, camaraderie and togetherness in the club, which I, th I think is a real strength of ours. And there's a lot of challenges ahead in the next year. I think this is going to continue uh, from a financial point of view, from a football point of view. Um, and it will be very, real tough for us to get through it. But at the same time, we're in a really good place to do that. And we've got the right people at the helm of the club to, to really help us. So when when you first started, you you you've had a, two stints as a as, as a caretaker manager, and then uh, and then obviously it was made permanent. You, you've learned your trade under a whole different uh, number of managers uh, in your time there. When you when you kind of realised that you were going to get the job permanently, what 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 went through your head is that you know what what, what were the where were your learning points along the way, and uh, and what stood you in good stead as you started the job permanently. Well, I think I'm really reflective and I like to learn and, and I've always engaged in that sort of process ever since I started coaching. So I've always been one that would pick up off of everybody that I work with and under or for in any job that I've had. And I've had a lot of roles in leadership and management when I first started coaching. I, I've sort of always done a job I'm too young to do um, in the eyes of lots of people. So I've always had an accelerated path in that sense. So I've always had responsibility and pressure and deadlines and management of people uh, all the time through so that stood me in good stead first of all I've also worked with for and under so many good coaches and so many good managers um, at, the, at the two clubs I worked at here and at South End over a long period of time so um, I would never say that one person's had more influence than others but I've, I've certainly learned lots off of everybody and those things combined with my own beliefs and my idea of what uh, from a, from a long period of time, I've worked at the club and grown up supporting the club. My idea of what Cambridge United could and should be and what the team could and should look like um, is probably a combination of all of those things. And we aren't there yet, but we're, we're working towards it for sure. You led nicely into my next question, which was, it kind of slips past a lot of people. I think you're the second youngest uh, league manager. Um, do, does that add extra pressure because people are looking at you and going, well, not, you know, not a great deal of experience, very young. Is it going to work? It doesn't to me. No, I mean, I, I, as I say, the experiences I've had in the past have always uh having been doubted for being young to do the job I'm doing is just natural. I understand that as well. I understand why people would say it, that there's, that's quite a logical thought process to go through. Um, so, so I don't sort of, you know, I don't, I'm not surprised people feel like that at all, but it doesn't add more pressure uh, to the situation. I think the job itself just adds pressure naturally because it's in the spotlight this year, particularly when you play every four or five days at the moment, that, that adds constant pressure because it's a really intense schedule but honestly, it's impossible to add more pressure to me than I do myself and, and we do as a group of staff to try and deliver for the club and, and get the best team on the pitch and, and build something in the long term. And there's a real balancing act there that you want to build into a strategy that you're building something over a longer period of time, understanding that your next game's in three or four days' time. And if you lose too many, the long term doesn't come off anyway. So you're always balancing a short-term desire and need to win games to then be able to fulfil a long-term plan. It's a really tough challenge um, and it's constantly up and down, but we're on a we're on a nice path at the moment. And because we know where we want to go to, um, it's not less pressure and less stress, but you can handle the odd blip along the way because if you can see progress, then that's that's the main thing.
And I guess if if you couldn't handle that stress along the way, you 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 wouldn't be doing the job really, because it's certainly not one that if you're not looking for if you if you're averse to that, it's not a good job to be in. No, it's tough. It's re- it is tough. But you know, everyone in their own world and their own uh, realms have tough jobs and stressful jobs and pressured deadlines and all those sorts of things. So I'm not sort of getting the violin out here. This is this is what I've wanted to do, and I want to do it. And you have to accept that that's what comes with the territory. So there's no problem with that. Uh, you can't shy away from the fact that you've got to work pretty intensely if you're going to be a success and you're going to get where you want to get to. And um, I think that's the first thing that we've all bought into as a club that we've got really good people talented but incredibly hard working and when you get the combination of those things together it gives you a chance of being successful there's so many other things that come into it let's take a look at the uh, the season so far i mean it, 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 i guess if you look back um at the recruitment over the summer people were very happy with who they saw coming into the club uh, and then you made such a fantastic start uh, to the season and i suppose we ought to mention manager of the month and all of that but you know it, 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 you, you 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 know you were playing you were playing in a way that was both exciting and attacking and uh, and you could also sit back and let people come on to you but the results just carried on coming in um a, a great a great first couple of months yeah i mean we won in lots of different ways i mean the manager of the month doesn't count because i think there was only three games <laughs> and I've got it's on the cv that's all that matters <laughs> yeah. we won in different ways didn't we we won some really tight games you know we, you think about the very first game of the season we went away to birmingham championship club and put in a brilliant performance there and won one nil and that was a real springboard for us uh, we backed that up with a trophy victory against against Fulham and uh, that was a nice start. It was rare for us to play two cup games before the league started. Now, we had a really tough game against Carlisle game one, but a 3-0 win was a great return against a team that showed real attacking intent and made us defend really hard. Um, and, and no surprise off the back of that how well they've done. Their form since then and, and throughout the season has been exceptional. Been a real attacking force, a real attacking threat. Um, and, and then... Throughout that, we, we had a couple of what you might look at now, Morecambe and Scunthorpe, and say were comfortable victories, but they didn't start comfortable games. You know, we could have been 1-0 down against Morecambe. We could have been 1-0 down against Scunthorpe. Only when we got on top and the game was a lot more controlled did it end up feeling more comfortable. But we certainly played with a real attacking intent. And in that, that period of the season, we were so clinical. Uh, we didn't necessarily create loads of chances all the time, but we took the chances we created brilliantly. And um, we certainly showed in that, part we got the balance right between uh, being an attacking threat and being hard to to play against and that was that was testament to lots of things the recruitment that we did in the summer was well planned and well thought out and we'd, we'd put a lot of work into that we got a lot of our signings done early we went into the start of the season the, the very beginning of this when we got when I got appointed in the job is myself and Ben spoke and said look we've got our team ready for game one we need to know what we are who we've got and we need to be ready to fly because this year more than any because of all the implications of furlough and COVID and budgets we knew that clubs would take there would be a slow start for lots of clubs and if we could get out of the traps quickly, that would allow us to, to really try and get ahead of the curve and build a cushion. Now, we didn't expect to start with the speed and the, the competitiveness and the advantage that we had, but we certainly did that really well. And that sort of played out perfectly. Um, and the new players integrated into the team really quickly, which was exactly what we needed from them. 
And then it's, it, it, I guess, again, the, the irony is that we start to allow people back into, or the government starts to allow people back into grounds. Um, and since then, it, it's not quite been going as well. I mean, it's obviously got nothing to do with the fans coming back in, but but I, I, I get the frustration from them that they start to finally see firsthand. And it's, it's, it's not the performances that you've put out during the start of the season. Um, is there a, can you can you pinpoint a specific thing about that change that's that's happened and, and what's going on at the moment? No, and, and that's really too simplistic to say it because the the link between fans coming back and and um, our results having not been as successful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's probably too basic to say oh, we can't play in front of a crowd. You know, <laughs> we won we won twice and played really well twice in two home games in front of a crowd against Gillingham and Colchester. Um, so it, it can't be as basic and as simple as that. I think it's, I think it's obvious that, number one, uh, Hiram Boateng injury was a big one for us and we really missed him in the middle of the pitch. He was really coming into his own and looking exceptional. Even the game where he came off, the first 20 minutes against Mansfield, he was the best player on the pitch. And, and that's been a loss for us. We can't get away from that. But we won games without him beforehand. So we've got to get back to that. Um, I think the other thing is we played 25 games in 15 weeks. That is incredible schedule. To be able to find the level of intensity and the mentality and physically be able to work at the level we, we've been working in the early part of the season, game on game, is really challenging and is really demanding. The pitches are heavier. It's uh, The seasons have changed a little bit. You know, everything's, everything's changed. Opposition have got into their stride a little bit. People now know our strengths and, and how to try and counter them and, and stop Paul Mullin and stop different players that are creators for us and, and where and how they can cause us problems. So... It's just the it's just the basis of a season, you know. It's, it's to be expected that this was going to come at some point. It doesn't mean it's acceptable. It doesn't mean that we're content with not picking up as many points, but it's to be expected. I think the number of defeats that we've had over the course of eighteen games isn't such an issue, but probably the run of them towards the end is a little bit more makes it even more frustrating. So that's something that we have to deal with. Ultimately, to be um, so close to the playoffs with a game in hand. Um, after 18 games, you know, I think that's a real good progress from us. But certainly we've got to pick ourselves back up and, and get back to being the team we have been in recent weeks against Colchester and against Gillingham more often because it's that consistency that will get us the points that we need to hang around in that level of the league. Yeah, and I think that the consistency is 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 the issue that you know the, the fat fans that have kind of been moaning about it. And the, you know, it's way too early for that, but it's the fact that you can play like we did against Gillingham. It's, you know, and, and then the following Saturday we don't play well, and then you know we play another really good midweek game, and then we don't get the results on the following Saturday against some very good sides, admittedly. And it, I think that's probably part of the issue is it's the frustration of knowing that we can do much better, and kind of being disappointed that we're not. Doing Doing that, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be um, it wouldn't be football if it was right all the time. We had the best start this club's had for twenty years, so we've shown we can be consistent. But it's um, if if we'd have carried on at the rate we started, we'd have got over a hundred points and scored over a hundred goals. Yeah. Tell me how many teams do that? It just yeah. doesn't happen. So it's unrealistic to think it will. So everyone needs to uh, recognise we've got a good team and we'll be okay and um, not get too frustrated because. Uh, I think we've shown enough so far of what we are capable of and we will find those levels again. But to maintain that and hit that level all the time, if we were capable of doing that, we probably wouldn't all be in this level at the moment. 
and like like most clubs, I think we're we're in a position where you know that there, there, there are probably not the, the the squad is probably not as as deep as you'd like it as a manager to cover for injuries, and and with Liam O'Neill being out being out long term and, and other injuries that have come up, uh, and as you mentioned, Hiram Bertang has has been a real loss. Do you, are there any plans to dip into the market in January to to, to perhaps strengthen certain areas? Yeah, well, we, we hope that Liam can be back and about um, sooner rather than later. He's training again now, so it's going to take a bit of time to build him up, but we hope to see him return. We're trying to to extend Hiram's loan till the end of the season, but he won't be fit until February, but mm-hmm. we'll wait until then because we know how strong he can be for us. So that's those two bits of news. And there's probably a couple of other positions or areas in the squad that we need to just freshen up and add a couple of faces because I think every January you need that little... Um, that little surge, you know, we're meant to have 10 games in the next uh, five weeks. You know, talk about playing 18 games in the league so far. That's 18 out of 46. Like that is a ridiculous number of games still to play in the mm-hmm. half of the season with who knows what ahead with cancellations for COVID or weather, that the worst weather's to come. So we're going to have some real heavy schedules. So we feel like the depth of the squad, we just need to add one or two too. We'd like to add um, someone who can give us real blistering pace. Um, in a wide and, and central area. So we're looking into that at the moment, but we won't be doing massive amounts because the squad that we've had so far have, have, have shown a level of consistency and quality that we're really pleased with. We like the camaraderie that the team's got. We like the spirit that there is. And the more changes that you make, number one, you disrupt that. But also number two, you end up with too many players unhappy, not in the team. And part of the strength of this team is it is a team. And when you're not in the team, you're never too far away from being in it. So you're always riding a tight rope there um, between the two things. But there is restrictions on size of, of squads and on salaries. And the board and the owner have been brilliant to, to support us to try and add one or two if we can in January um, within reason of, of finances, because this, this is a tough year and we don't want to be daft. But um, if we can do something, we will try and add something. And while we're talking about strength of the squad, it's probably the best time to ask a question that most people are asking at the moment, which is what are the club doing around uh, potentially keeping uh, Paul Mullen at the club? Well, we'd like to keep him, obviously, because he's he's off to an absolute fly. I mean, we knew we were signing someone who could score goals, but the rate at which he scored them in the first half of the season is incredible and rightly so gets all the plaudits. But we all signed up to the idea that... Um, we offered Paul a two-year contract in the summer. He wanted to sign for one year for the obvious reason that his family are up north and he wanted to put himself back in the shop window after a disappointing spell at Tranmere. He's obviously doing that. There won't be any um, commitment until the end of the season and, and we all knew that. But what we've done is we've signed somebody that um, is playing with a real hunger and a desire and making us better. Uh, we've got his commitment until the end of the season. We want it to go beyond that, but we know the situation and, and, and that won't change between now and the end of the season. So um, we've got to get the best out of Paul and everybody that while they're here. We've got a lot of players out of contract at the end of the season. I think we only have three senior players going into next year. So there's a situation for lots of them to be hungry to see you know, what happens. But um, of course, we want to keep the bulk of you know, if we have a successful season and things go well for us, we'll want to re-engage with a number of the players. But um, it's very unlikely that that will happen early because the landscape of football is is um, 
as it is at the moment. And it's probably not in the best interest of sometimes some of the players to commit to a club now when there may be other opportunities for them. But we don't know that situation. All we do know is we've got a really good player on our hands. We're delighted that he's doing well. Um, any interest in our players is good interest because that, you know, that means we're doing well and, and we've signed the right ones. But we know the situation from the start and, and nothing changes in that respect for us. And we're going into uh, the, we're just the, the, the period where we, we've literally a couple of hours before this interview took place, we talk about the uh, the movement into tier four and uh, and the the sad news that uh, the Boxing Day game is now going to be played behind closed doors and and probably for the foreseeable future there there won't be fans allowed back into the Abbey. I mean, uh, you know, having got the bin, it's it's a terrible blow, although understandable because of the situation we're in that they're now not able to see live games again. Yeah, I mean, it's just really frustrating for people. I'm sure they've had a little taste and enjoyed being back into the stadiums. And whilst there's an element of it that feels inevitable with all the restrictions that have been changing, that this was probably going to come again. Even, you know, I spoke to a lot of fans earlier in the week and a number of them were thinking that they'd come to Boxing Day and that might be their last one for a while. Uh, but to, to have that one taken away as well, it's obviously frustrating, but there's very little we can do in this situation other than hopefully perform for them and, and they watch them online as they have been. It's a, it's such a strange year for everybody in football, but none more so than football supporters. You know, this is what it is. You're supposed to come to games and watch them. And yeah. the fact that people can't is ultra frustrating, uh, particularly when we've had a couple of frustrating years and we've been performing well this year. People want to come and watch. I understand that. Um, so I, I do feel sorry for people that they can't come and do it. But I guess ultimately the safety and everything comes first. And if we get told it can't happen, we just hope that we can get back to something as normal as possible as quickly as possible and just finishing then on a non-footballing note one of the things that you've said and, and that the club have really put forward and and worked on over uh, over recent years has been this we are a community club and, and we uh, we are part of the community and we must understand how that impacts on the community and you know a, a small point maybe to other people but you've been ringing around uh, a whole load of fans just to wish them a happy Christmas and I don't suspect there are too many uh, managers doing that at the moment but you see that as a really integral part of the the whole ethos ethos at United, don't you, this community involvement? Yeah, yeah. And and, and I think the thing that comes across in the club is the reason why we're in such a united place and, and it's clear what the strategy is, is because it's genuine. You can't fake this stuff. Um, it's genuine. You, you've got a lot of Cambridge people here, a lot of people that understand the value we have on the city and and, and how important supporters and sponsors and partners and everybody is and, and, and making a few calls to get round to people to thank them and, and to say how grateful we are for everyone's support. I think any year, but particularly this year with things as they are, uh, it is a massive part of what we're about. And, you know, fundamentally, we're a football team that have to go on the pitch at Saturday, three o'clock, for example, um, and deliver performances that show we can compete. But football clubs at our level can and should be so much more than that. Ours is, and we're really proud of it, and we have to keep building on it. And I think the club's come through this year well and has come out of it with a, a lot of respect and reputation intact. And that has to continue to build because we understand the importance that we have and the responsibility that I have in this position to to engage in those sort of things. And I'll never take that for granted. Mark, thanks very much for uh, joining us. Cheers. 
So there we go, that's what Mark had to say about a whole host of things, uh, including obviously the question everyone's asking, is Paul Mulling going to stay? Not really an answer, but then you don't expect that at this time. Uh, interesting news just coming out at the moment, that Dallas is, looks like that he's going to move to a uh, another club as on a loan move. Uh, not that we're going to get rid of him, but we'll see how that one pans out. Um, so uh, we, we know that uh, the club are obviously looking to keep uh, Paul Mullin. I managed to touch base with Paul Mullin as well before uh, the, uh, the break, so uh, let's have a chat so let's have a let's have a listen to what he said uh, when I spoke to him. It's been a great season for you. Did I mean? Did you expect this season to go as well as it has done so far? Yeah, in a in a way, I knew I could come here and be successful and enjoy my time here. That was the main thing to come and enjoy my time really, and everything else will follow. Um, if you're happy, then everything else will come. But I expected to have a successful season, and it's nothing up to now. It's not successful or anything. It was just been a good start. Um, but that's all, really, and just got to carry on from here. So you still see plenty to do, obviously, for uh, the remainder of the season. Yeah, definitely. You know, we've had a good start to the season. I've had a good start personally, but realistically, nothing's achieved in December, so it uh, doesn't mean too much at the minute. You've formed some really good partnerships with various different people within the club. Um, who do you enjoy playing with most? Oh, all of the lads, you know, playing with Wes is good. He looks for runs in behind playing with Joe is also fantastic because he obviously occupies um, a lot of players around him to get tight to him as he's obviously a big powerful lad and dominates centre half. So um, playing with Nibsey also has been good because he helps uh, close down and getting in behind teams and creates a lot of space for myself. So playing with all the lads is uh, beneficial really. And obviously that's that's key to the success that uh, both yourself and the club are having is is those those partnerships and and the ability to form different ones is obviously uh, a, a huge advantage uh, pending injuries and anything like that. Yeah, we've got a good squad of uh, players, a good squad of lads as well. Um, it's been good up to now. We've just got to drive each other up there really to keep um, pushing each other to obviously get a place in the team and keep working hard and uh, see where it takes us. And you said uh, one of the main one of the main goals was to you know to, to get here, play well, and, and enjoy yourself. Is is that an important part of the game for you then? Yeah, especially from where I was. Um, that's why me and my fan there didn't enjoy it so much just because I wasn't playing as much. But football, obviously, is a hobby for everyone else, but it's a job for us and you want to enjoy your job as much, much as you can, like I'm sure it is in every other job. Um, so to be happy while you're doing your job is obviously a great feeling and I'm uh, loving it at the minute. And you, we're, we're joining this, this, this interview is taking place just after, obviously, the, the bad news that uh, Cambridgeshire is going to go into Tier 4 lockdown and therefore having just got fans back into the stadium, uh, they're going to be missing again for the foreseeable future. Is that a big blow for the team, do you think? Yeah, it's strange times, isn't it? We've been one of the teams this season. We've said we have to adapt to different situations and just take everything as it comes. And obviously, it was great to get the fans back and enjoy playing in front of fans. That's why you start playing football in the first place. But now, obviously, for them to go again, it's disappointing. But it's one of those things now. Everyone's in the same boat. You've just got to uh, crack on with it as best as you can and just treat it like every game, as, as you do with fans. And just just going back to uh, obviously the, the the loan period and then and then making a permanent one year move uh, here at the start of the season. What is it that kind of a, a, attracted you and excites you about uh, Cambridge United? The manager was a, a key aspect really of me coming back down here when I did first come. He made me feel very welcome and uh, in the summer he showed me the part I'd have to play this season in, in the squad. And um, up to now, obviously, it's been great for us. But the manager was the main reason why I wanted to come back he made me feel like this was a place for me and I was going to flourish here and up to now it's been working 
And obviously, as I say, six, 16 goals uh, so far in the league this season, though, scoring at a rate of uh, uh, one goal every 92 minutes, or basically one per game. Where, where do you think you can reach? Do you set yourself a target for the end of the season? No, not particularly. I don't um, like really talking about the future too much because you can't control it. It's uh, out of your hands, really. But for me, it's just to score as many goals as you can. But more importantly, we pick up as many points as we can and get as high up the table as we can. And everything else will just follow, really. I don't really set many targets and things like that because you can't really control those. Yeah, and obviously, uh, you know, an absolutely fantastic start to the season. It, it's tailed off a little bit just recently with uh, some some consistency lacking potentially with the midweek games going well and and then not quite so well at the weekend. I mean, why do you think that is? What's 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 responsible for the change, or is it just we did so well in those first few games, everything else looks to be kind of uh, not as good? No, I think it's obviously the opposition sort of paying a lot more respect than they did at the start of the season, maybe because of how we've started and how we've um, been playing as a team. So they set up slightly differently to try and obviously counteract that, and it's up to us to break that down, basically, and come away with a, with a plan where we can win in, in other ways. Um, but I think it's just one of those things. I think obviously every team's going to go through a spell in the season or a couple of spells in the season where they don't win as many games as they'd like to. Um, but it's just one of those things you've just got to stick together, keep doing what we're good at, keep concentrating on ourselves and um, I'm pretty sure it'll come back. And in your experience, do you think this side is a good enough side to uh, get to, at the very least, the playoffs? Well, as I said, we don't really set targets. There's a group of lads who obviously want to be successful. Every single player in there will want to be successful and want to achieve things in the career. Um, I'm no different. Everyone will be the same. And we'll obviously just take it one game at a time and work as hard as we can, like we have been obviously all season up to this point and come the end of the season we'll just see where that takes us and hopefully it is into the player spots or better but you, you never know in football Excellent well thanks very much for joining us Paul uh, all the best for uh, 2021 hopefully it won't be quite as strange as this year and, uh, <laughs> and, and we'll be up there at the top when it comes to it thanks very much Strange is the key word of the day, I think. Um, we're going to stay with uh, Cambridge United uh, to take us up to the news and then we'll turn to City, uh, Histon and St Ives once we've finished. Uh, but we'll turn to uh, the women's game. I, I had a chance to speak to Kayleigh Ann Burt, um, captain of the women's team. Um, started off by asking her about the start of the season. Uh, they had a good win against Norwich, a loss against Hashtag, uh, a draw against Cambridge City and then a very heavy defeat against Ipswich. Yeah, um, we had a bit of a roller coaster start to the season, really. Obviously, as you say, Norwich was really, really good. Played some lovely football, scored four goals. And then hashtag was a bit, bit and bit. We got a couple of injuries um, in that um, game. So that was that was pretty tough for us to take as a squad as well. Obviously, we're starting so well. Um, City, we didn't perform at our best again, but still got something out of it, which was good. And um, Ipswich is definitely a day that I want to forget, to be honest probably the worst game I've ever had in a Cambridge United shirt so, so not not a great not a great day I mean if you look at Ipswich at the moment I mean they've, they've only they've got 12 points so you kind of think oh that's up but they've only played four they're unbeaten they've got a mm. goal difference of 18 they've beaten Harlow 9-2 and so it, they're obviously they're obviously in that like, that difference in class is obviously quite big I mean the scoreline 10 nil was it was that because you, you kind of like people put their heads down and and uh, weren't really playing at the end. Is that what upset you or was it just generally the fact that you're beaten 10-0 by, by another team, which obviously ranks with any footballer as not a great thing? I think from the start, Ipswich have got just a different level of, yeah. of player this year. Um, they were very, very good last year. They've got 
I would say, nearly double figures in international players that are coming through the ranks in the youth teams. And that shows. And we were below par. And if you have a below par performance against a team like that, they will literally tear you apart. And that that is what happened to us. I mean, I've noticed this. Um, I, I mean, I guess this is this is an issue with kind of uh, the the smaller league in women in women's football and the, the those those teams that are attached to larger clubs as well, having the the resources to put together bigger teams. But but I've seen this before, where you've got one team that really dominates in the league, and it makes it very difficult for all. Given that there aren't many promotions uh, available, if there's one team dominating, it makes it very difficult. Is that just because of the size of the women's game? the organisation of the women's game is that can that be changed with more clubs joining in yeah I, I think so I think there's only 12 teams in our league um, one go up and one go down every year so you have to win that league or come at the bottom of that league to move at all and that mm-hmm. makes movement really really difficult um, and I've played in the league for 10 years now and it's pretty much always been the same sorts of teams that have been in obviously with one going up and one go down every year but the likes of like Ipswich, Norwich, us, sort of like Luton have come up and down. Um, and the teams like that, it's always been the same sort of teams, not much, you know, different clubs coming in. And as I say, Ipswich, they've got a fantastic setup. They've got an advanced coaching centre there um, that's feeding into the international camps. So for them, they're, they're that level above and they, you know, they, they are the best team in our league and they should go up. Um, that's They should have gone up last year, but obviously... Not saying the word, but that's the reason they, would, they wouldn't have gone up. Um, uh, but yeah, so I I think with more with more teams and more talented players which we have got in in the area, um, I'm hoping that more teams will be able to join the leagues and and the league will be able to expand it to in, involve more clubs because yeah, we have obviously that that restriction of. We have, I think, one midweek um, midweek fixture per season. So, yeah. like with the men's teams, when they've got lots more yeah. teams, they obviously have lots more midweeks. So, we have sort of like a limited amount of of time for games, which I think is why the leagues are so small. But yeah, hopefully that can improve and widen in seasons to come. Obviously, there was a big there was a big following uh, with the Women's World Cup um, a while back. It seems like it seems like years ago now. But yeah. uh, do, do you th- has has that translated into more women playing the game and a bigger organisation, or is is it have you not kind of have you not been able to capitalise on that given all the problems that have been happening over the, over last season and this season? I think not necessarily directly from our club's point of view, but the women's game as a whole has definitely benefited. You've seen record crowds in Wembley for the Women's FA Cup final, record crowds at um, the women's teams that obviously played at their grounds. So West Ham, obviously Spurs playing at their fantastic uh, new uh, men's (laughs) ground. And Manchester City as well, they played at their ground, Chelsea as well. So it's all creating lots of of great opportunities to, to widen the women's game from a from a business and fan perspective, which in turn creates revenue and will widen the game itself. On a smaller scale like us, we had a record amount of um, girls trial for our club in pre-season, which is really, really good. And the level of player that we've welcomed this this year into our squads, both first team and development has been has been a much higher level than we've had the last few years. So yeah, I think it has it has affected the women's game on a positive level right at the top to increase crowds and level of player and interest from international players um, like Alex Morgan, Tobin Heath, Kristen Press have all come over to the top level. And then obviously we've got 
on a, a, a lower level for us, um, increased players, increased participation, increased women interested and, and people through, through the door to watch. So, yeah, I, I, that all off the back of, of the Women's World Cup is fantastic. And have you uh, have you got, got a setup, an academy type setup? I mean, obviously not full time, but have you got a development squad coming through? Are you going to be picking up players over the coming seasons from that? Yeah, so one of our players, Charlotte Crisp, um, is actually head of the football mm. development at Cambridge United. So she's um, done a fantastic job over the last few years um, developing the uh, girls game. So the regional development centres, the elite. Um, that then come through um, because you can sign for a women's team when you're 16. So um, she has the all, all the youth teams up to that age, and then we can welcome girls to sign from us, sign for us. Sorry, from the age of 16. Um, so we've got a development squad, obviously, to develop the younger players, um, or if they're ready to get make that step straight into the first team, then they can do that as well. So yeah, we have we've got we've got that pathway. It's getting bigger. It's not necessarily as big as Charlotte wants it to be yet but everything has got to start somewhere and, and she's building and working really hard which is which is awesome going back to the season obviously there's now the uncertainty with tier four and everything else how long how long we're going to have a break for this time round? <laughs> assuming that we eventually do get back to a season uh, do you think you're in a position to be able to push forward and try and uh, you know try and move that that little bit further up the league have you have you got a target for where you'd like to finish I think we're sort. We should be sitting in the middle. I think maybe yeah, just dropped seventh, into the bottom seventh, half. Yeah, just into the bottom half in seventh. I think. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think it's been a difficult season for all teams. It's really stop and start, and with training and things, it's been really quite quite clouded. But um, I know that. Uh, once we get back into training, when we're finally allowed, we we know what we want to achieve and we've got a good group of girls that will work hard to achieve that. Um, I'm not saying we're going to win the league, but as long as we work hard and keep focused into what we want to achieve, then there's no reason why we can't do that. Obviously, under no illusion that other teams have got other... Um, they've all got their things that they want to achieve mm. as well. But um, I... Um, Hope I can lead the girls to to finish at, at least in the top half by the end of the season. From the terraces on Cambridge 105 Radio. As we said, we're going to talk about uh, City, we're going to talk about Histon, and we're going to talk about St Ives Ladies uh, in the second hour of the show. So we'll start um, with uh, Cambridge City, uh, hence the jingle. Um, we caught up uh, with Robbie again just uh, just before the uh, Boxing Day game that, that never happened for them. Um, I asked him uh, at the start to uh, sum up the season so far. This is what he had to say. Yeah, well, it's um, like I say to play for you know going into Christmas and to have played four league games and, you know, probably six, seven cup games is uh, a bit surreal. But, you know, like up to date um, as a football club and and how we've performed in those games and what we've done around the pandemic and, you know, the, the commitment that the lads and, and the club have shown in making it a a safe and, and healthy environment to be in and around. I think we're, we're, we're quite pleased. You know, we had... Uh, disappointed with the the trophy run. Uh, I'm not going to lie, having been you know two nil up and and to lose that three two, um, and the hangover from that took us into Deerham in the league fixture that we lost one nil, and was a very poor performance. But other than those two games, are or half against Kidsgrove and 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 the game against Deerham, you know, I've been been really pleased with 
with how we've sort of performed and how we've sort of gone about our job. And, you know, it's a shame what's happened, but it's something that's out of our control. And hopefully when we, we get to resume, we've still got the same group, you know, we've furloughed all our players and staff. So hopefully that those, those group of players that we have, you know, when the league does start, we'll have a, a decent enough group to, to kick on with. I was talking to, to Luke earlier on um, and I asked a question of him. I mean, you, you look you look at the elite clubs as they're, as they're now labelled and they're allowed to play football even if it's behind closed doors. Do you, do you kind of feel that it's a little unfair that, uh, you know, non-league and, and grassroots football is treated differently? I think not so much it's unfair. I think it's more the you know, because it's classed as elite, like, can you tell me that, you know, teams in the conference self are being tested as much as what we'd be tested? You know, so things like that are are, are annoying um, because they're not doing anything different to what, to what anyone else is doing. You know, mm-hmm. and certainly because of the finances available to, and the testing and, you know, I see professional levels, you know, even the EFL, you know, how often are they tested? So, it's it's a difficult one because you know we can actually manage it you know outside you know being outside a lot more you know the, the changing facilities and and things like that where and and ground you know we don't get awful amounts of fans watching us and you know to be able to safely keep those segregated and you know players we do team talks on the pitch you know it's almost like we'd do anything to play football so if the the guidelines are no one in the change room. Well, that's that's what we want to do, and and it's just a shame that you know elite football conference, conference north, conference south, they're really no different to to us in, in that they're not being tested like the Premier League, you know, in the Championship, you know, sort of every week or or every two weeks. You know, we're we're all on that same sort of path really, and that yeah. same sort of line, um, and that's that's the only annoying thing is that. You know, they're all playing and, and they're players that are from our level now are being taken into the conference south and they're all playing in it because, you know, they want to play football and they can dual reg and play that level. And I've spoke to one or two and it's, you know, one or two have said that they don't temperature check. They don't, it's not, it's not like at our level, you know, the, yeah, the, yeah. the guideline and the restrictions that teams at step four and three and four, you know, it's, it's been quite tough on those guidelines and he just said like go into the step two and literally you go in the changing room it's a, a full pack changing room and it's yeah it, it's difficult to take but it is what it is Tim and you know we have to we can only do what we can do and and we're governed by a different you know committee and leagues and you know they've decided to shut it all down which I think at this moment in time is the right decision because of you know the new strain and, and yeah. how it's it's quickly gathering pace and, and affecting so many more people. The difficult thing, obviously, and uh, I was talking to Lance about this, is that at the moment it's the unknowns really that are that are that are causing all the problems because there's no, you know, the, the announcement about continuing the suspension of the season was made just before we went into Tier Four, which obviously adds to the complexity of it. And you, you look at the number of games that have now been postponed, and it's going to be difficult to make those up. And and people are looking and thinking, well, you know, what is going to happen? Are we going to finish a season? Is it is it even possible to do that? you know there's so many unknowns that that must be difficult to plan for 
Yeah, it is. And and like you know, all all of us at step three, step four managers and step five, you know, we're all in the same boat. If the government are in the unknown, you know, then we're certainly in the unknown. And you know, and because of how it's changing day by day, you know, I came out and said last week, a couple of weeks ago, that it'd be nice to have a date and to be able to stick to that date and look and plan towards that. But because it's the infection is doubling and doubling by the day. It, it is difficult and I get mm. it. And, you know, the one thing that we're hearing now is that potential, you know, split the league into two leagues and that's from step three and four and five and make it regionalised and, you know, two 10-team leagues across the board play each other twice. Um, so that's something that's been thrown about at the moment. So that's something that could be very interesting, you know, sort of 18 games from whenever we get to start for us, if it is regionalised, you know, you look at some of the teams that we'd be playing, Histon, Soham, Berry, Sudbury, you know, some good fixtures there that, you know, fans, attendances, you know, and it'll be, I think it'll be good to finish the season on something similar to that. So so would that be a, they'd, they'd abandon the, the league as it is now and start a brand new league for the remaining, uh, you know, for the remaining season? Yeah, that's, that's what we're oh, being right. sort of, that's what's being sort of thrown about at the moment. Now, I think the the issue with it is who gets promoted, how many get promoted, relegation, and they become quite tough leagues, don't they? Because, you know, certainly our level or our section that you look at that could be regionalised, there's some big teams in that. Yeah. And, you, you know, you, the 10 teams that we talk about, your Deerams, your Felix, those, they're all investing money, even your Haybridges, you know. So it's one of those where it would be a very tough 10-team league, but it'd be something that, you know, to finish what has been a... A poor year and not a very good year would finish the season on, you know, quite a competitive thing and and something that would give people that little bit of buzz. You mentioned earlier on, and 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 Luke pointed to this as well. One of the things that's re- really stood you uh, in good for the start of this season, um, uh, as it was, uh, was the fact that you'd got a settled squad, and that's been uh, an issue, obviously, for you in the past. Yeah, it has, and it's something that. Yeah, I've spoken to you many times about before, you know, the last season wasn't ideal um, on so many levels, you know, and it was, you're behind the game all the time and you, because of the club we are, we're trying to get the best for our club and, you know, sometimes these players don't quite work out and it's, you know, you sense that they're not quite right and you have to change it and, you know, this season and, and almost the season that we took over and, and the season after, we were pretty settled. And, and when you have that, you know, you, you only have to look at, you know, we got to the, the playoff final with a pr- pretty settled side. And this season, again, we've started pretty well and finished the end of last season really well with the same group. And, you know, that's that's what we've wanted all along. We haven't wanted to, to chop and change things. And, you know, it's always been in our mindset to, to have a settled group, you know, one or two changes here and there that, you may lose one or two and you have to replace those. But in the whole, keeping that group together and, and creating a, a really good atmosphere and, and team spirit. And that's that's been crucial from, from day one, really. And, you know, it's something that this season, following on from the seven-game unbeaten run towards the end of last season, it was really important to keep as many as those together. And we have done, and and I think that's credit to to the group that we've got. You know, they want to try and achieve something, and they're as frustrated as anyone not being able to play and train because they're a group that love being around each other. And I think you can see that in performances. They're a group that, if we do lose, you know, they 
they tell each other, you know, they're, they're pretty open and, and honest with each other. And, and that's what we want. You know, we want a group that, you know, it means something, you know, come quarter to five on a Saturday. If we've lost, it actually means something. And you can see when we win, you know, the, the changing rooms buzzing, you know, the music's on, they're, they're singing, they're dancing. And, and that all comes from the individual that we have in the changing room. And it comes from, you know, having a group that want to win and want to do yeah. well. This, this this year, obviously, you, you, the, the 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 upside of no football is you've got uh, more time at home for Christmas. Unfortunately, you can't do anything because of lockdown, so it's kind of like a a, a good and a bad thing. But uh, it, it'll make quite a difference to your to, to your Christmas week uh, not having football there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, since sort of sixteen years old, you know, Boxing Day build up to Christmas Day. You know, we're training and Boxing Day, then the twenty eighth, and then the New Year's Day. It's normally pretty full on with football so that's a a strange situation to find ourselves in this year but you know it's also you know time for reflection been good in in you know I've taken in lots of documentaries about different sports and different how different teams do things and how they manage you know the mental side of football and the mental side of rugby and cricket and it's it's been quite an interesting sort of insight for me to you know to have time on my hands to to take in a, a few of these documentaries and, and see how other other teams and other sports sort of do things. And so, you know, hopefully that, you know, that little bit of reflection and that little bit of rest that we've had will sort of help us when we do get started because we're, like I say, we're itching at the, the bit to get going now. And we, we just, yeah, we just can't wait to, to get going again. And Luke, Luke tells me there's been a, a, a good fitness program going on with uh, results having to be sent in so that they can't skip. Are you concerned there's going to be a bit too much Christmas dinner enjoyed for those not playing? Um, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, because of uh, they're quite a fit group and they they do they do worry about things like that, you know, putting weight on. So you know, creating a competition and creating a send send your runs in send your and because they all see it, they all want to beat each other's time. So it's quite. It's quite encouraging that on that front, but like I say, we've we've given them now sort of two weeks off. You know, we did one to ones through the November lockdown, and then when we started, we were pretty full on because you know we were told that we could start at any moment. So, you know, we've been pretty full on with them, and and we've worked them hard. Probably the the hardest they've been worked. But when you you know <laughs> you have to be fit, you have to be able to run in this game, and and keeping them topped up with fitness and and keeping them sort of on the edge and ready to go has been what's really been really important for us. And so we've given them two weeks off now. And then like I say we'll reevaluate reevaluate <laughs> in, in in January and see where we're at. And it may be that because we're in tier four, we can do one to ones and do it once a week just to get them in for their own sanity really. Um yeah. because, you know, it, it's good to keep them them ticking over and, you know, doing one to ones in groups of four or five on an open field, you know, yeah. with five different coaches is it's good to get them out and about and get some fresh air in their lungs. It's interesting is uh, his use of uh, documentaries and looking at how uh, other sports teams deal with pressure and the mental side and everything else. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how much of that translates into uh, training sessions. Uh, you'll hear there as well that I kept talking about an interview with Luke. Now, I, I owe Luke an apology, uh, firstly, because, uh, well, because unfortunately I'm not playing the interview, partly because uh, we've got a lot to get through, but also because stupidly I asked uh, Robbie most of the same questions that I asked Luke. So it didn't seem uh, reasonable to, uh, to play that, but I will get back to Luke and we'll talk to him uh, later on in the season. Um, 
talking, uh, we'll, we'll move straight over to the uh, women's football. I spoke to uh, Becca Fay um, at Cambridge City Ladies. Their, their, their season's an interesting one. They've played a, a reasonable number of games, but it's not going too well. 1-1 one, one, drawn, 1 lost, 5. 10th uh, in the league, just 2 off the bottom. Um, uh, so this is what uh, Becca had to say um, during that interview. It's been an interesting season, obviously, uh, so far, given it's uh, one win, one draw and one loss and you're sitting 10th uh, on four points. It's probably not the season you were hoping for. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, it's not where we want to be. It's not where we had intended to be. Um, and it's definitely not where we want to finish the season. It's been quite tough. Obviously, it's a little bit stop-start. We always set out this season to kind of finish better than last. And obviously, last season was never officially concluded um, but had it been on a points per game basis I think we would have been fourth bottom which given it was our first season in the in the National League and um, we'd played majority of games I don't think that was a bad place for us to finish so yeah this season the aim was definitely to finish higher than that and obviously so far not so good we do feel a little bit hard done by in that the first lockdown came just as we picked up a little bit of momentum. So last season, we just picked up um, three points against Norwich and we, that was off the back of a County Cup win in midweek. And we really felt like we were sort of going to push on them. We had a good run of games where we could target them to get points from. And we can't help but feel like the same thing happened this time around when we just had the four week lockdown in November. We just picked up our first three points of the season against Stevenage. And we're looking to go on a bit of a run there as well and just pick up a bit of momentum. But of course, that was cut short again, the COVID lockdown. And we've only actually played one game since then, um, which was hashtag, yeah, not a great result there. Um, who knows what will happen? Yeah, yeah. Uh, looking at it, I mean, as you say, it's this is just your second season at this level. Is is it that step up that's been, there's a, there's a big difference in stepping up? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. There definitely is a big step up. There's a big jump between the Eastern Region League and the National League. We always knew that was going to be the case. Um, perhaps we didn't know quite how much. Obviously, in our last season in the um, Eastern Region League, we did come up against teams the likes of Leighton Orient and um, Cambridge United in the FA Cup. So we did have a taste of what it might be like, but it's very different in the magic of the FA Cup. And also when you're not playing at that level, week in, week out, it does make it a little bit easier to get up for it for one game. So definitely the physicality side of it, we're struggling or had been, I think that's fair to say. But in terms of the fitness, I think we're possibly there. I mean, our most recent game, hashtag, we were 5-0 down at half time. But then the second half, we lost the half 1-0 and it's probably the best football we've played for a long, long time. So in terms of fitness, I'd like to think that we did actually do well in the second 45 of that game. I was watching the, the local derby, the City United game. and Is that a good game to play in? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it is a derby and you can't take that away from the game. Um, now that both sides are in the same league, obviously we're going to come across each other um, a little bit more than we did before. You still prepare for it in the same way. Um, of course, it is that little bit sweeter sort of to score in a local derby. But I think like the last couple of times we've played them, there's always been goals, especially in the league. It's always been a draw. So it's always a tight contest between the two sides. And it's also a really good game for ladies football in Cambridgeshire. Obviously, you get a lot of support there. Both sides do. And even for the mutuals, it's always a good game to watch. So it's a good advert for... Um, ladies and girls football in the county. Obviously, COVID hit everyone hard. Um, in terms of the financial side, I mean, obviously, uh, gate, gate receipts aren't huge and, and, and there may be extras from refreshments and things like that. How are you doing financially? Um, yeah, I think it's fair to say that given that 
ladies football at this level um, is obviously backed by um, a lot of volunteers, especially at Cambridge City. And so that's probably a good thing given COVID because we haven't got the outgoings that perhaps men's club at the similar level would do. Um, I wouldn't say we rely on our gate money, but obviously it does help as a booster on match days to sort of cover the costs that we have in the, um, the pitch at Ely and the officials. But Cambridge City, it's sustainable. We've got a youth section from under nines all the way up, three to ladies and three ladies teams. So the club's definitely in a good position and there's not a doubt that um, we won't make it through. And interestingly, I was just going to come on to the development squad. The development squad doing very well uh, over the past couple of seasons in terms of not only their league position, but in bringing people through to the first team as well. It's great. I mean, like I said, again, I touched on sort of the under 18s and the under 16s. There's a flow of very good footballers coming through the club. So we're kind of always going to have new players each season just from the youth setup alone. Yeah, the development side of flying in the Eastern Region League, obviously, given that they're a reserve side, that's kind of as far as they can go in terms of the women's football pyramid. But there is also the opportunity for them to go into the um, National League Reserve Division. So I think that's potentially something that the club will look at just to further develop those players and challenge the players who are, like you say, touching on the first team um, and even coming into the first team. The difficulty, obviously, at the moment is having just just about to to come back and make a start again. Uh, we now go into Tier Four lockdown, which is going to put put pay to football for for a while. I guess the advantages in in a slightly smaller league, then it, it might be slightly easier to make up the fixtures before the end of the year. But have the league kind of given any indication of when they're going to be looking at uh, restarting? I think their hands are pretty tied, to be honest. Pre the Tier 4 announcement, um, they had said that they will do everything possible to get the league finished. But obviously at that point, we had all of December, Jan, Feb, March, mm-hmm. and they were going to play free to May. Who knows how long Tier 4 will go on for? And I think that's kind of the big factor in this, because if we lose another two months or so, then... Um, essentially you've got eight less weeks to fit in the games and especially with um, the weather sort of Jan, Feb, even into March, the pitches aren't always great and yeah, it's tough and obviously the league is quite far spread so if you're asking players to sort of travel midweek, a lot of our league's obviously London so um, I think that's a big ask and probably not practical so um i don't know i'll probably have to wait for another announcement given the new tier four restrictions that kind of leaves you with christmas without football which is probably uh, fairly unusual um and the pity is you then can't do anything with it because we're in tier four so it's kind of uh, christmas at home i guess yeah i think that's the thing we we planned obviously when we were tier two literally yesterday um <laughs> to train we trained this morning and we'd planned to train between christmas and new year and try and keep that going as much as possible the announcement yesterday obviously closed the doors on that as well so we still trained this morning um it was nice to get together see the girls and a bit of a pre-christmas social in a way i suppose because the thing is now as well you think well what are we training for because Mm. you don't know how long you're going to be without matches and so it's really difficult i think at least in the last lockdown in november they said four weeks and it was almost definitely only going to be the four weeks so you knew that there was an end date to that whereas now Mm. this is open-ended so it's really hard as much as the girls will stay motivated and do their own fitness and stuff it's really hard to sort of train specifically when you don't know 
what and when you're training for. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose that, I suppose everyone's in the same position. So so at least when they're cleared to do it, you know, it, you, you won't be a match fitness, but then neither will anyone else necessarily. So at least, uh, at least that's good. I mean, you talk about, you know, your aim was to finish higher. I mean, given that the season may or may not restart and uh, under what format, are you confident that you can turn around where you're at currently and, and, and put in the performance needed to move up the league? Yeah, I mean, the the aim was to consolidate our position in that league, at least. And so it's a great bunch of girls. We're dedicated, we're committed, and we really do want to do well and compete at that level. So there's not a doubt in terms of attitudes and the right people at the club to get us to do that. It's just now having the opportunity to sort of put that in place and prove ourselves. Across the city and South Cambridgeshire. On FM, digital and your mobile. Cambridge 105 Radio. From the Terraces, on Cambridge 105 Radio. When we come back, uh, we'll be talking about uh, all things history. So as I say at the moment, the timing going really well. Uh, thanks very much to uh, both Robbie and uh, Becca, uh, Cambridge City uh, men and ladies, obviously, respectively. Um, we've just got uh, two two bits left. We've got uh, Lance Key uh, uh, coming up next, and then we'll finish off with uh, Ruth Fox, uh, St Ives ladies, uh, at the end of the show. So I uh, spoke to again Lance. Um, well, if I, did, I, I spoke to him just before Christmas, but I told him to pretend it was after Christmas because I thought it was going to do that for everyone, but it got too difficult. So, uh, yes. Uh, it does look a bit odd uh, before Christmas but he says after Christmas Uh, so this is what Lance had to say Lance uh, thanks very much for joining us hope you had a a good Christmas Lance yes as always eating too much and drank too much (laughs) (laughs) it's always the way always the way um, okay, I mean, it, normally we, we catch up on the season. It's going to be a little bit uh, difficult to do that, given there hasn't been much of the season so far. But uh, I guess, I mean, given the number of games that you've played, I think it's six now, uh, you're sitting on 10 points, you're sitting fifth in the league, in as much as uh, there's some games on the board, you must be relatively pleased with with where you're at. Yeah, I think if you analyse how the season's gone for us, we had... Obviously, two tough games or tough games in cup competitions. Um, obviously, we went out in both those games, which was disappointing, uh, obviously, for finance reasons. Um, but the way the league has started, our away form has been phenomenal, really. You know, I think I think all 10 points, I think, or nine points of them have come out away from home. And, uh, you know, to, to do that in the vein that we've done it against the size we've done it um, is actually quite pleasing. You know, we've, we've kind of built on what we of what we had of a two-third of a season last year, or last season, and uh, I think we're moving again in the right direction, which is what we want. Yeah, and it, I mean, it, it, you look at your uh, fixture list on the web and it kind of tells the, the, the sorry story of the season so far, having lost the back end of last season. Uh, it, it was always going to be difficult to start a new season and, you know, people were worried about whether it would finish. And I'm just counting up now, two, four, six, eight, ten. 12. You've got about 13 games there listed till the 2nd of, fe- 2nd of uh, January that have been postponed and, and uh, you've then got to be confirmed on the following three it's going to be difficult to finish a season, isn't it, at this rate? Well, I think, obviously, the way, obviously, what's happened over Christmas as well with, you know, different regulations coming in, tiers changing left, right and centre, I think it's a case of, I think that, if I'm honest, the league will make a decision in January. Um, they, 
originally said January the 9th uh, was going to be the kind of next start date. I think that's going to be put back. Um, they've always said they'll give us 14 days grace before we do or due to start. Um, so whatever that would be, at best would be possibly, in my mind, probably late January, possibly early February would be our best start yeah. period. Um, if that is the case, what they brought out before the season started, they had different kind of equations, if you like, if what was to happen. Um, and obviously, I think what they, they dreaded was going to happen has happened. Um, and if we are to finish the season, I think the only way we can do that safely is to play every team just once. So it's not going to be home and away. Um, and if that's the case, we have probably whatever it is, 14 games left in the league to play, possibly. Yeah, I've been I've been keeping an eye on what's been going on in the Isthmian League, and I, and I guess the frustrating thing, uh, and I spoke to Robbie about this, is that there's been a number of friendlies have been happening up until the the change in tier regulations, which meant obviously, you know, there are some clubs that that have played friendlies, there are some clubs that no doubt could have played even league games, but the league took the the the, the kind of interesting position that in the interests of everybody those who are going to have to open grounds and not get revenue in and therefore going to be be short they decided to to postpone the season as a whole um uh, and there were a lot of people in favor of that i mean did did histon vote in favor of uh, postponing the season as a whole yes we not 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 the complete season i think they 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 voted for what what was the question was actually to vote to close or stop the season until the first, yeah, yeah. and I think you know, as a manager um, and looking after your players, I think it was the right decision. I think if you look over the country, it's definitely the right decision now. Um, but I think that you know, if we are to finish this season, I think we'll be very grateful for that. Um, but I think that Kirsten, along with many other clubs, made the right decision in, in actually you know forfeiting Christmas because let's face it, you know, we want to spend Christmas with our loved ones, and by doing this with football clubs not opening games up, not having friendlies as such. Um, and don't get me wrong, I was one of those people that went to one of the games that was played uh, before you know, the Christmas lockdown, if you like. Um, I watched Royston in the FA Trophy. It was great to go and watch a live game. Um, and I think it's very difficult to kind of equate it all, really, that you know, now we're in a position where you know, tears are changing, like I say. I think it's just, I think the club made the right decision. I think the league made the right decision. And I think if other leagues had made that, that, kind, that same kind of stance, it we might, wouldn't be you know, miles better off, but it would make things a lot safer for people. Obviously, you know, it's difficult as well for fans. Uh, they've been looking forward to coming back and, and Christmas didn't happen for them because uh, because of uh, everything that's gone on. And a lot of them, that's their, you know, that's a Christmas tradition is going out to watch the Boxing Day game and, and potentially games at New Year as well. Um, it, it's kind of difficult for the fans uh, not being able to see that. Yeah, and I think that's why probably the leagues were trying to sort of bring football back before this period try and get the Boxing Day clashes in but then whichever respective team you're in then like Coach City which is their home game this year um, against us uh, they'd have been reduced wise as well so it's, it's very difficult to sort of equate that again and, and see if it would have been worth their while in doing that and I think hopefully you know which, whichever game we do play hopefully in the near future um, we will get a decent crowd and I think that you know, it might be a case that when we do these games and it might be a case you might have to share uh, in terms of like gate receipts, I don't know because you know clubs are going to find it difficult financially mm. as well. You know, but it is a shame that the fans don't get to get their kind of non-league football fix over the Christmas festive period. Um, but likewise, as managers and coaches and players, we also miss it dearly as well. And that's you know, it's amazing when you haven't had it for a while. That, like I said, I went to watch Royston about two weeks ago in the FA Trophy. I was like a kid in a sweet shop because <laughs> I've been for ages. 
it was just nice to go and watch a game. So uh, I fully feel for them, but obviously, you know, we have to try and stay safe, don't we? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's difficult. I mean, I, I, I've been lucky because obviously uh, doing the radio show, I've been able to go and watch Cambridge United play, which has been been really good in one sense. But at the same time, you keep feeling for those people, especially when we were playing really well and it wasn't really working. You know, there nobody there and now crowds come back and uh, the Cambridge have gone downhill a little bit. It's always always a bit difficult. But I mean, the, given, given that, I mean, we're still waiting to see what happens with the next the next round of uh, re-tiering and everything like that. How difficult is it to keep? I mean, at times there have been play times when you could train and times when you couldn't. How difficult has it been to maintain any level of fitness uh, within the club? Very difficult. Um, you have to rely on players' own responsibility to do that for you. Um, it's still not the same as what they would get when they train with you because you obviously push them harder. Um, certainly leading up to Christmas, we went back to training. Uh, but then obviously then this new virus or this new strain of virus comes out and we deem it's probably safe not to train over Christmas period because we didn't want to put any kind of jeopardy on ourselves or even put even other families at risk by their their sons and whatever else going back home and, and possibly having it. We don't know. So we, we decided to cancel training over Christmas. And uh, so we, we'd like to say we trained a little bit before it, um, cancel it during it and hopefully we can start again after the new year, hopefully. But yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The league, the league have promised you 14 days or uh, to uh, get ready for a new season. I mean, I suppose everybody's in the same position, so you may not be ready, but then neither will the opposition be ready. But is 14 days enough to get back to that level of fitness where you can avoid injury and everything else? Uh, I think the injury side of it is the hardest thing, Tim, if I'm honest. I think, you know, you can never, you know, the match fitness you get by playing four, five, six pre-season games is where you prevent those injuries from coming. Uh, when you train, uh, you don't necessarily put yourself through that same exertion. Yes, you're still working hard, but you're not getting the same things you would from a game uh, and the sharpness from a game. So, but like you just said, it, it would be the same for every other team. Um, and, you know, we can, hopefully we can do that. Uh, even the players will still jump at that chance because, you know, they, they miss it, you know, like I say, quite a lot. And it's, I think if we can get that opportunity to play in the new year, then uh, we'll all relish it regardless if we're ready or not. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand the play. You know, the players must be uh, must be uh, chomping at the bit to get back on the pitch. Uh, going back to you know what happens for the rest of the season. I mean, obviously, we, we all forget. You know, or rather, it's easy to forget that uh, you know footballers at this level are fitting in football around jobs, and therefore rearranging fixtures can have serious implications for them. Midweek fixtures can have serious implications for them. Um, as you say, they may choose to play only one game uh, instead of two games against everyone but the fixture jam especially presumably because the weather might turn as well and that might add to the woes is is always a problem definitely and I think that you know like I say they put out these different scenarios at the start of the season because we hadn't started like we would want to uh, in terms of game wise and then obviously what's going on right now it's kind of vilified what they have spoke about and I think that you know the safest if they were to have promotion stroke relegation stroke playoffs etc this this you know, this summer. And I think that, you know, the one game against per team is probably the safest and realistic option. Um, I wouldn't say it's, you know, it would be great for everybody because certainly we're in a better, stronger position than other clubs, you know, in our league. So in terms of being fifth right now, you know, if you're fifth bottom, then you perhaps wouldn't want that because, you know, it's then all of a sudden it's every game's a cup final game in a way. Um, but I think it's probably the only way that if they want to, to have promotion and relegation, etc. I think it's probably it's a senseless way to go about it. 
And as part of the plan, the league, how do, have they talked about how many games they would have to get under their belt in order to get a valid season that they could actually put positions in on? Uh, they haven't. No, it's very difficult. I think, again, it's how long's a piece of string to. I don't, I don't really know the answer to that question. I think it's just a case of what they put out before the start of the season, that the one game against per team was, was an option. And I think that is one that I think they'll probably look at, especially when you look at if you were to extend the season, you then have the, the, the complications of pitches being ready for the following season. You then have the FA competitions in FA Cup, FA Trophy. You know, will they move their dates? Probably not. You know, so then you have to you go against the grain again there. And so I think there's a lot of questions to be answered. And I think that if they're just like they want, I think per again is probably the, is a viable one. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so assuming uh, we, we, we go ahead and, uh, and uh, sometime during January they announce the, the start of the season uh, after a, a kind of a, a warm-up, two, week, two weeks of warm-up, um, but obviously you'll be back and that'll be a great thing to be and you'll be looking forward to it. Um, you know, re- realistically with, with, I think, the, the games under your belt and, and the away form, do you think you've got a good chance then to, to push on and, uh, and upwards and challenge at the top end? I think we've, we've given ourselves a good foundation at how we've started. So I think that, you know, if we can continue in that kind of rich vein away from home and obviously then get some, you know, more creditable um, results at home, because it, the astonishing thing is we've gone through a calendar year without winning at home, which is scary, really, because um, uh, the last time we won at home was Boxing Day last year against Cone City, um, which is staggering. But then obviously... Both seasons have been interrupted. We've only played, I think, it's only about eleven games at home in that in that period. So, which is still not good enough, obviously, because uh, we haven't, you know, recorded a win. Uh, but yeah, I think the way we've started, if we can continue like we have done away from home, um, who knows, Tim? You know, we, we we haven't set ourselves any goals. You know, we obviously wanted when to stay in the league. Uh, we want to be competitive, and if we can stay in and around that playoff position, then you don't know. Momentum's a great thing, and you know, if we can start. If we do restart, say, in February and we start well, you just don't know. And I think it's, you know, that every team will be looking, you know, over their shoulders in a sense because it's, it, it will be like a sprint race, basically. It's not over a course of 40 games. It will be, you know, it will be much different. And so I think it, it could be that kind of cut final environment for every game. And again, that might add a bit more spice to each game. Who knows? Mm. And in terms of in terms of finances, uh, obviously a lot of clubs have been you know very hard in you know, a very hard hit by the fact that they've not had people in and not not been able to get any revenue. Uh, I guess Histon in a little bit better position in terms of the ownership of the stadium and the fact that Cambridge City have been uh, have been ground sharing and therefore there's been some income in from that. Um, is uh, Histon in a position where they they'll hopefully be able to weather the storm reasonably well? We hope so. Uh, don't get me wrong. You're always, again, you're always worried about what may be kind of thing. Um, but I think that it's a case of that we've laid the foundations as a club. We've we've built, you know, stronger kind of fraternity with the local community. Uh, we've been able to invest, or people have invested in the club over the last sort of two years, which have made us more stable. And I think that yes, answer your question. We, I think we are in a stronger position than we would have been, say, four or five years ago. And I think that hopefully we can get through this. We've been told that you know the board and our main guy and Keith, who looks after the finances side of it, um, has told us that you know we, we, we should be okay. But obviously, you you still need to get this this league started. So it's very difficult, and hopefully we can we can do that as soon as possible for the finance reasons. 
And just just on a sadder note, it's uh, I, I noticed uh, recently uh, on the website uh, the unfortunate death of uh, Carol Collis. Uh, uh, early in December, which uh, um, uh, you know, a stalwart of the club and somebody who's done so much for it, uh, you know, a really sad way to to kind of finish the year off, really. Yeah, it was. Um, I went to Carol's funeral uh, again with, with one of those things with what's going on. Only thirty people allowed to go there. Um, obviously, the club was represented by myself, the chairman, and one or two others. Uh, and it's a sad, sad shame because uh, Carol, along with Mick, her husband, have been stalwarts for our football club for many years, probably 20, 25 years. And, you know, long sat bowling club and, and all sorts, you know, it's just, a, it's a shame that, you know, that the way Carol, you know, her life ended it in a sense, but, you know, she will be missed, but we'll be never, never forgotten because she was a, a strong character around the club and uh, hopefully we can do good in her name in the future. Well, Lance, uh, thanks very much for joining us. Hopefully uh, we'll be talking to you next year with uh, some football to actually talk about. Thanks very much. Happy New Year, everybody. Yeah, certainly very sad, uh, Carol's death, um, as it is with well, as it is with everyone, but uh, as it is particularly with those who uh, spent a lot of time volunteering for clubs without people like Carol uh, and many, many others. Uh, it, it will be difficult for many clubs to exist. We'll take a quick break and then we'll finish off uh, talking to uh, Ruth Fox. And South Cambridgeshire on FM, digital, and your mobile. Cambridge 105 Radio. From the terraces on Cambridge 105 Radio. No jingle, unfortunately, for St Ives, but uh, we'll have to get one, I think, for this. Uh, uh, so, uh, got a chance to speak to uh, Ruth Fox just before uh, Christmas. No football, but we did talk about football, but we talked about a lot of other things. Uh, those who know Ruth know uh, that uh, she's involved in an awful lot of things, uh, and it's good to talk beyond the uh, scope of football. We, uh, The show actually sponsors Ruth Fox um, at St Ives Ladies. Uh, so this is what uh, she had to say when we caught up with her uh, a couple of days ago. It has been an interesting year for uh, everybody, uh, difficult at times and strange at times, but uh, I guess for, for you, perhaps even more interesting, you, you were already a, an author and a, a mental health campaigner. Uh, earlier this year, you cycled the equivalent of uh, Newcastle and back twice. Then you've uh, you've gone on uh, to uh, to other things, including a TV star. It's been a, a very, football aside, it's been a very interesting year for you. Obviously, it has been challenging in certain ways, but for me, it's been like a bit of a fresh start. I started university um, mm-hmm. in September, so studying sports science and personal training at Bedfordshire Uni. Yeah, I've done some charity events to try and raise awareness of things that are quite close to me. So obviously, you mentioned the, the cycle ride that I did um, over 28 days. I think that was actually in the first lockdown. I think we're basically in lockdown three now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So yeah, lockdown one, I cycled, yeah, to a different place over 28 days that kind of had an impact in my in my life, my journey. So hospitals, I was inpatient, I was an inpatient in schools, football clubs, friends' houses, places like that. And the reason it was 28 days was because I spent 28 days as an inpatient last year. So I kind of wanted to share that, you know, I was now kind of free and I could go to these places on my own accord and kind of get that real sense of achievement cycling away from somewhere like that um, which was really kind of you know eye-opening and and really nice to do Um, and then yeah kind of more recently I think it was in the summer um, I did a run with one of my teammates where we ran um, one mile every hour for 24 hours and that raised 
over 700 pounds for an inpatient unit that I was that was in um, last year to kind of give them the money to buy you know extra things for patients to make them feel more at home when they're in hospital yeah we didn't get any sleep my friend managed to get some sleep but I just couldn't at all during that run but that was that was a challenge in itself and then yeah more recently was involved in the ultimate goal which was yeah a tv show that's just finished I think it was six episodes where 31 girls went to St George's Park over a period of two weeks and that 31 got cut down to 16 um, and then that 16 was a squad that played against strong Birmingham City Academy side and yeah, it was an opportunity for me not only to improve physically on the football pitch, but also to share my story on a bigger platform and hopefully um, inspire someone who was who was listening. You got into the last sixteen. That that meant you got to play in the game. I mean, was it was it just entertainment or what? You know, I mean, you learnt a lot yourself uh, from that. But what, what were the opportunities that it portrayed to present in terms of the scouts being there and opportunities of that? Was was that was that real? Did it did did, did that transpire? Of of any has anybody gone on to to other things as a result? Uh, yeah. So um, one of the really close friends that I made on the camp I guess it was Georgia Stevens um signed a pro contract in Iceland um so she um got she was it was kind of strange actually because she was the one that was kind of really upset after the game she's a striker and she didn't score she really wanted to score and she was the one that was kind of needing support and needing a coach to kind of get go over to her and tell her that you know she actually had, did do really well and then it was yeah a couple of days after we we left St George's Park she got a phone call from a team in Iceland and they said do you want to come over and kind of finish off the season um you know as a pro player and she obviously said yes and, and went over immediately and then obviously it kind of got cut a bit short because of because of them going into lockdown as well and she came back over but yeah it kind of opened a massive opportunity for her like not ever realizing that going abroad was an option to play mm-hmm. football you know she'd, she'd always kind of been on the cusp of something really great so she'd um you know played in kind of the youth england setups and things like that and i think she was with huddersfield at the time that we did ultimate goal and then this opportunity came about because of the series so she was just one of them. Someone else, Hayley Nolan, um, signed a professional contract with London City Lionesses, I believe. Again, someone else. She was the captain during the game. You know, a, a very sort of level-headed person who really showed herself what she was made of during the series. So opportunities definitely came for people. And I think not only just from the football side, but also other perspectives. So I'm sure that some of the girls will kind of you know get opportunities in terms of media and take you know looking at football from a different angle not just playing but whether that's getting into coaching themselves or yeah going into more of the media side of it so it's yeah it's really opened open doors for a lot of people I think and also it's created a massive kind of um, friendship group of Mm -hmm. of the players because we really bonded over those two weeks you know we had to go through you know a lot of highs and lows we had to lose some of the players obviously you know but we're still in touch we're very supportive of one another and yeah, I think there's bright futures ahead for, for a lot of people. Obviously, you, you kind of knew because it was filmed earlier and uh, over a short space of time, the, the TV programmes came on later, you knew the results and everything like that. Was it, was it difficult not to kind of spill the beans or give anything away accidentally? Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, I could tell like my close close family and friends, but I didn't, I didn't tell everyone, obviously. <laughs> and then, yeah, I kind of, it was so difficult because... Obviously, I'd been away for two weeks and some of the girls were only away for one week. So if people had worked it out, they could work out that I'd miraculously stayed there for a little bit longer. But yeah, like it was it was really nice on the day that we found out to ring up the people that like really mattered to me and, and tell them. Because obviously, for me, you know, that was such 
a big moment to know that I got through because I just know the the story and the journey it's taken to get myself on the pitch, let alone get through to the last 16 of, of the show. So it was really a special moment to be able to like call my parents and call my football manager and let him know that, you know, I've gotten through. But yeah, other than that, I really had to keep things quiet. And it was actually really lovely when everyone did get around to watching the episode that, you know, we found out who got through and, you know, getting loads of messages and stuff kind of, you know, it kind of um, replayed that, the actual moment that it happened so it's like it's happening all over again and it brought back some really great memories so yeah it was really nice and outside all of that there's of course a small matter of playing at St Ives and it's been it's been interesting as a team you've, you've actually played you've fared better than uh, than quite a lot of teams around in terms of actually playing football although it has been stop and start and and uh, a, a good start to the season currently lying I think it's third in the league with five wins a draw and two losses uh, and you're scoring goals on a, on a regular basis um, I, I guess at the moment uh, given that we don't know what's happening and, and when football will restart but you must be pleased with where you're at at the moment in terms of the league yeah it's, it's brilliant uh, I mean if we look at obviously last season was a bit of a kind of odd one that it didn't actually really finish but if we look at the season yeah even last season we were you know struggling at the bottom really pushing to be out of that relegation zone and now I think we're really proving to people what we're about and I think because we've only recently been promoted we're kind of seen as under, underdogs quite a lot of the time and I really kind of like that I like when I was growing up I was like the only girl in my area that played football and I really like that kind of people assuming you can't do, do anything and then kind of proving them wrong. And I feel like that's the position I'm in now with St. Ives Town. I think, you know, people come to us and think, you know, we'll, we'll, oh, we'll get points here. We'll get a really easy win. We'll score a lot of goals. And I think we've proved a lot of people wrong and we continue to do that. You know, we're scoring, you know, a lot of, a lot of I think we scored 22 goals this season yeah, so far. Yeah. And, you know, that's across, it's not just one player that's scoring. It's, you know, a lot of us and, just I think everything that we learned last season it was quite a tough season for us and obviously it being cut short and you know a lot of different kind of um, variants came into it but um, I think overall we've just learned so much and we we now have like analysis sessions on like a Wednesday night where we we look back at games and we we analyze what we did well what we could improve on and that's really spurred us on to recognize what we're doing in a game and then put that into practice on a Sunday and yeah we're just we're just such a close-knit group of people as well and I think that pulls us through the, the darker more difficult periods and we you know makes the, the good times feel feel much better but yeah I think we we leave football for as long as we will leave it for we don't know but we leave it in a really good position and you know we're you know very proud of where we're at, at the moment and um, for me personally, like I'm playing in a completely new position. I'm playing up front now. Usually I'm a centre midfielder and I'm absolutely loving the new challenge of positionally and technically, you know, playing, you know, in a completely different position. But, you know, I'm absolutely loving kind of learning about it and scoring goals. And yeah, it's, it's just brilliant. And I think it's kind of working for us as a team. We've never really had, we have had like standout number nine, but it's, it's just a very different, you know, playing up there. It's, it's a lot different for me and for the team. So I think a lot of things have clicked more recently in the last sort of couple of weeks and months. And we've put in a lot of hard work over, over lockdown periods as well. So when we haven't been on the pitch, we've been set challenges to do, you know, weekly challenges and we'll have like a player of the month that we do now as well. So everything's so positive at the club and it's a really mm -hmm. exciting time for us. 
I think it's it's easy as well to, to, for, for for people to forget that uh, uh, you know for me I, I work from home anyway so lockdown's been kind of a minor inconvenience um, but as we approach now tier four and uh, and football's been cancelled again and it, it's easy to forget that for some people this is a really really difficult time in terms of their own mental health and uh, and kind of it's obviously a subject close to your heart in terms of that I mean you said you found it difficult at times but being busy and, and, and having things to do has been a huge help yeah absolutely I think I found lockdown number two particularly difficult um just everything just stopped and you know even like things like university what was going online and things like that and I just found it very very isolating I couldn't like meet my friends for a coffee I mm-hmm. couldn't go to training couldn't have a game on a Sunday and I did find it really tough you know luckily like yeah I just it was probably the most difficult period for me of this of this entire year and luckily I've kind of completely changed my mindset now and and I'm in a much better and more positive place and I think just this year has been about kind of appreciating what we have and like knowing what's important to us. And when you lose something like football, even if it's just for a couple of weeks, you kind of realise how valuable it is to you in your everyday life. Uh, it's not just the physical side of it, but it's, you know, the social side of it, the emotional side of it. Um, that that Monday morning when you wake up and you realise that you've had a massive win the day before and you've scored two goals and you're third in the league. And, you know, you can't beat feelings like that. And it's something that we really miss when it's, when it's not there. But I think what's enabled me to get through the the most difficult kind of periods which for me definitely was the second lockdown is just like making sure that I've got a routine it might not be my usual routine but just making sure I've got things on every single day to do and stay connected with people like there are ways in which you can stay connected <laughs> obviously we've got the delights of zoom and, <laughs> and and teams and things like that which we're probably all very bored of by now but um <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot more backgrounds that we can explore um, <laughs> over the coming weeks. But um, yeah, just like making sure that we stay connected with people, do things that are still allowed. So I think you can still like go for a walk with someone or something like that. So things like that have definitely kept me going. But also just like planning for the future. And I'm mm-hmm. really excited for what the next year holds for for me. I'm really excited for football when it does come back. It's made me appreciate it even more when you kind of lose it again. Um, it just makes you like look forward to it so much more. So I'm making sure that I'm stay fit during the the, the break and, and we're ready to go again for for whenever we come back. But just kind of staying positive and looking for the for the positives in the, you know such a negative situation. I think this year has taught me a huge amount, definitely. And yeah, like for me, like for, for example, like I'm coming to the end of therapy and I really struggled to deal with that whole transition period mm-hmm. of no longer having a therapist. But I'm actually really looking forward to not having that almost as kind of the, the, the reins holding me back. I now see myself as being ready to be a flourishing, like almost like a butterfly transforming, um, ready to kind of, you know, get off and into the world. Like I've been in this, you know, cocoon for however many months and now it's my time to go and go and fly. And I think that's, you know, what, what I see, you know, a lot of things, it's all about perspective and, and how you view things. And I've been able to, like, obviously I found it really difficult initially knowing that I was coming to the end of therapy, but now I'm in a place where I'm really looking forward to kind of celebrating my last session with my therapist and then going off and 
you know, the world is my oyster now. So it's really yeah, exciting. Yeah, time. yeah. And uh, just before we go, I saw on, I saw on your tweet um, that you you were asking people uh, whether whether they wanted to know what you were doing for your challenge for for next year. I, I couldn't find the response to that to see whether you'd actually reveal that. Is that something you revealed, or can you talk about it now? Yeah, yeah, of course. So. Um, I really want to do something next year to make a difference to a lot of people. I feel like I'm in a space now where I want to use my experiences to to help other people. I'm in a more stable place where I can do that. So I really want to set up a charity. So (laughs) I want to call it the Ruth Fox Foundation. And I want to promote awareness of personality disorders um, as that's a condition that I, I struggle with myself. And I don't feel like there's enough positive kind of connotations around it. It's all very stigmatized and there's a lot of negative kind of statistics around it and it's a you know it's a very negative space when you like google it which is the first thing you do when you get diagnosed Mm -hmm. with something so i really want to create like a website and a support kind of group for people and yeah i want to participate in some physical um, challenges i guess over the course of the 12 months of the year um, to raise money and awareness for the charity that that i'd like to set up i feel like yeah like i said like i'm in a space where I'm able to make a difference to a lot of people. And I feel like there's a gap in almost like a gap in the market almost where we're talking a lot more about depression and anxiety, which is great. But there are a lot of other serious mental illnesses that we're not touching on so much. And mm-hmm. I want to basically show people that you can live, you know, a quote, normal life with a, a quite a stigmatized mental illness and like, you can still go out and play football, you can still have friends, you can still go to uni and, you know, have a life that's worth living. And I really want to promote that positivity to people that, especially young people that have only recently been diagnosed because that was the most difficult period for me. Um, I got diagnosed in hospital. It was all very sterile and clinical and it was very difficult to associate myself with this diagnosis. But as I want people to come to terms with it quicker than I did and to know that there is support out there, there is therapy that truly changes and saves lives. Mine definitely did. And there is a way out and there is light at the end of the tunnel. So I kind of want to yeah, promote that and offer support to people who were kind of in the situation that I was in, you know, a year and a half ago. Well, thanks very much to uh, Ruth Fox. We wish her all the best uh, with her uh, setting up of a charity next year and we'll be keeping an eye on both uh, the football and how that goes. Uh, thanks very much to everyone else, to Lance uh, to, and to Robbie, uh, to uh, Becca Fay, to Kaylee Ann, to Paul Mullin and to Mark Bonner and, of course, to Matt uh, for joining us live to talk about uh, the football. Um, hopefully uh, a couple of good results coming up for United before we uh, catch up with you again. Um, that's pretty much all we've got time for uh, this week uh, thanks for sticking around uh, for the extended show Cambridge 105